Days for Alcoholic is a program about recovery. My name is John, and I'm an alcoholic. And my name is Jerry, and I'm an alcoholic. Join us as we go through the alphabet of alcoholism one letter at a time. It's the final show, Jerry, of the, of yeah. the season, not the final show 2018. Ever. But, uh, not ever, yeah. But 2018, yeah. Z, Z's a tough one. I had a bunch of different words and uh, phrases, and I was like looking up less than zero and zero dark thirty, and I couldn't. Yeah. There was there was not much. So uh, this uh, this last one, Jerry came up with Z is for Z you next year. So <laughs> <laughs> as much as we all love puns and and uh, and play on words, we're also joined by Jerry's dad. We're recording this on. Um, his name is Jerry as well. Welcome. Thank you. Appreciate it. I'm glad to be here with you guys. Yeah. And yeah. we are recording this on Christmas Eve. And so that's why his folks are his folks are in town. And so see you next year. We kind of just wanted to have a uh, open discussion about the last year and uh, and the next year and discuss sobriety. I don't know. Maybe sobriety resolutions. I, I don't know what the. If that's you know, I want to discuss. I've never consciously made one, but <laughs> well, you made one. Not necessarily. <laughs> I made one, one big one. Yeah. That's yeah, yeah. That's the most important one. But never within like sobriety itself. Like I resolved to be more sober. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But um, maybe. Hey, it's it's not out of the element. And we've gone you know. through a lot of stuff, and we've talked about a lot of things. And don't you guys worry, we will be going back through the alphabet. I was thinking maybe we could do like a different alphabet, do like a Greek alphabet, do like some the Chinese alphabet. If you wanted to, we could get really <laughs> weird. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we'll be we'll just gonna we're gonna recycle through A through Z because I I don't think that there's any yeah. shortage of things to um, discuss. I want to I don't think so, uh, yeah. first say thank you to all of our Patreon patrons. We do appreciate you as always. If you would like to be a part of that Patreon crew, it is patreon.com slash A-I-F-A. And um, as always, we're brought to you by Green Camel Press, which is my other company. And we make uh, greeting cards. We're working on comic books. We're working on a children's book. Um Lots of good things over there. There's a lot of video um, work and illustrations. Also, we are we do electronic greeting cards for anybody who's interested. It's all on the website there, greencamelpress.com. Um, yeah, so Z is for Z you next year. Z and next year. One yeah. of the things that I think we're going to be moving a little bit more forward on, Jerry and I, is the A is for Alcoholic book that we started working on 2017 i think i asked you in right so maybe that's our sober resolution (laughs) is to finish the book Mm -hmm. that the podcast spawned out of Mm -hmm. yeah originally so maybe i could give you a quick little history of where the podcast came from was i had this idea and it was originally i wanted to do an alphabet poetry book and that doesn't sound i mean that doesn't sound like anything anybody wants to spend 16 dollars on and i might (laughs) you might I probably would. Um, (laughs) And then it just became, it started like, okay, so what about what starts with A? And I was writing, I was trying to write these poems, but I wasn't really into it. And I was just trying to be alliterative and whatnot. And then I was sitting on the bed with my girlfriend and I can't remember if she said it or I said it. And I was something like A is for alcoholic. And her eyes lit up and she said, you've got to go buy that domain name. And I was like, really? You think so? And so we went online, and there it was available, and it was like twenty bucks. And she's like, "Just do it." She's like, "I'll I'll do it. I'll give you the money if you yeah. want the money." And so that's mm-hmm. that's where that started. So I had this domain name for, I don't know, that was in May of like two thousand seventeen, and during that time, you and I had been doing, um, we'd been talking already. We just hadn't been recording. Yeah, we'd already this. been facetiming, doing like book study stuff, mm-hmm. kind of. Just actually, at first we were just checking in. Yeah. On FaceTime. Yeah, we would check in once a week with each other just to see how it was going. Mm-hmm. You know, like, yeah. And then it turned into us reading literature from, you know, 12 step program and doing book study. And then it turned into this. Mm-hmm. I said, let's do a podcast. People might want to listen to what we're saying to each other. Yeah. And I just, so I had to do the, uh, do the hard, tedious technical work of figuring all that out. And once we did it, it was, off to the races and pick a topic and go. 
And so yeah. that's kind of where we've come in the last, I mean, this has probably been working for 18 months or something like that. We've been working yeah. on this on and off and on and off. Yeah. And so the book, if anybody's interested in, um, and I'm not sure how we're going to release it just yet, if it'll be like a self-published thing or if it's going to be, I'm still hope, you know, Penguin Books or Simon & Schuster, I think, would be. Uh, Amen <laughs> high, dude. Amen high. Uh, but it's an illustrated book. Jerry's the illustrator. I wrote the pages, um, and it's just exactly what you've been listening to all this time for the last six months is A through Z. What does it mean to be an alcoholic? The story's from my perspective, but it really, I mean, it could be anybody's perspective, as we all know. This is a fairly... Um, universal. It's universal, but it, it, mine yeah. is not a unique experience, other than that it, right. just ha- it right. has happened to me. Um, Good way to put it, yeah. But, yeah. Um, so, I was hoping we could introduce your dad, and um, I could ask him a couple of questions for the folks out there. Jerry? Yeah, sure. Um so you've yeah, you've yeah, been yeah. Uh, you've been sober for how long? I mean, when is your when was your sober date? Your sober birthday? I've been sober all day today. <laughs> I'm very grateful for it. <laughs> he has been. I've been here, <laughs> and uh, I've been doing that one day at a time thing for about 29 and a half years. Well, that's a that's that's a good start, as they like to say, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> um, what uh. What was what was your your moment of clarity? Like, what was your and I don't know if if Jerry's already asked you this. I know you guys did a little interview type thing, but um, we just kind of had a conversation. Okay. You're asking the hard question, <laughs> the hard hitting. What was the turning point? What was that like switch? That's a good question. You know, um, the turning point for me was two months in. I was. Two years of every single day saying today's a day I don't have a drink and, you know, doing a tranquilizer in the morning so I could get through my, my, my morning hours and then going out at lunchtime and, 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 you know, doing whatever I needed to do to catch a good buzz. And, you know, the next morning waking up and being disgusted, no matter what I did, that was just the process. So I was having my world start to kind of cave in on me. There, there were, you know it was coming from all sides family work uh, just you know everything that was was happening I was in trouble and so I realized I needed to do something I wasn't in the position to be able to go into a rehab I would have probably lost my job had I so I figured well it says anonymous on the door you know maybe I know what I'll know what I'm doing you know so I, I stepped into a, a meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous with absolutely no intention of getting uh, you know, stop drinking the rest of my life. My intention was, you know, to go and talk to the pros and learn from them how I'm supposed to really drink so I could go back out and have fun at it again. <laughs> and, and you know, I, I I won't go through the lengthy process of what the first two months were like, but like everybody's first two months, it was just, you know, it was just painful and a nightmare. And, and, and it, but it was really, I came home one day and, the, the fog had cleared, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I had a big steaming plate of reality looking at me. And throughout everything that I'd done, all the, you know, all the dastardly deeds, all the, all, <laughs> you know, all the, all the letting people down, the one thing that I was sure of is I was always a great dad. You know, I'd always, I'd always prided myself on, you know, I was the kind of dad every kid wanted to have. And I came through the door one day and there was Jerry's younger brother, Joel. He was, I don't know, two, three, four, somewhere in that time. I'd have to do the math. But when I, when I came through the door and, you know, I'm home, I saw him and there was fear in his eyes. You know, I'd never beat him physically, but just the, you know, position that I had, had, had you know, the chaos I'd caused in my own family. And I saw my little boy and he, uh, 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 shit, it's even hard to talk about 29 years later, fuck. I'm sorry, I don't do a cuss on your... That's no, okay. like crazy. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, but That's you know, I, I walked in and I saw that fear in his eyes and I thought to myself, dear Lord, what have I done? That was my moment of clarity. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, to... to it's so... Um, it's a lot of it. It's not until we see it in somebody else's face or, you know, we... we I spent all this time, I don't know, probably almost 20 years and just being so destructive and not even realizing it, thinking it, you know, and Jerry and I have talked about this before where even when we were drinking together, it was all just, you know, we would 
we would just excuse the behavior. It was like, whatever, man, that's just yeah. how it goes. I mean, we just, we hang out and people flake and people yell and people scream and people cry. And, and like, that was just par for the course, you know? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and, and now I think that's just like those things that I would not even tolerate. And when I see it in somebody else or when I, you know, when I think back to those moments and I don't, I don't have kids, but people that I've hurt in the past and you're like, Oh God, you know, and my, my, my story was different, but, um, it's such a, it's such a thing to see somebody else who's hurting and go, I did that. And, um, it definitely will snap you, um, right out of it. My actions mm-hmm. have spurred that, you know, it's, it's the things that during, uh, my active drinking that I would, the things I was more tolerant of, mm-hmm. you know, they would get like, I've, I've probably stated that in the past. It would get worse and worse, but since it was par for the course, it was, I was more tolerant of those kinds of things, you know, those things that now, yeah, I'd look at be pretty, uh, I wouldn't say insurmountable, but be pretty heavy, you know, but, but during drinking, yeah, those things dude during drinking walking like an eight mile round trip to get a warm bottle of bourbon in the desert like (laughs) dude i won't walk like a mile and a half to the bus stop you know but if it's an eight mile round trip walking 100 and you know eight degree heat to get a warm bottle of bourbon then yeah let's do Mm -hmm. it you know what i'm saying and that was acceptable Mm -hmm. that was like totally normal that was like that was how we're gonna roll this is what we do now you know yeah so yeah and I can relate a lot to, you know, what my dad went through with, with my family. And I think it's universal in the sense that, yeah, it's seeing the effect of what your actions have on the people you're closest to that. These are the people you're not supposed to, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Affect in this negative way. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a heavy damn thing. That'll definitely lift the fog, man. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I, I sat in it. <laughs> and when you, you know, Jerry senior, when you talk about the, uh, the fog, like clearing, did you then, because I know that for me, I very much like dragged my heels about it and I was very skeptical and I was almost, and I think I've mentioned this before, where I was almost kind of investigative about it. Like, what's up with this? Is this for me? I don't really know, but I guess I'll give it a <laughs> shot. And I was very suspicious. Did you jump in and were you excited and were you like, I'm going to get this, I'm going to get me some sobriety and this is exactly what I need. And, or was it, was it more difficult? than that i didn't was never i i you know it's 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 funny you mentioned that because looking back and and i've thought about this before um i didn't ride that pink cloud mm-hmm. man nobody ever get <laughs> i really? said yeah somebody better give me my damn pink cloud i haven't gotten maybe it you'll get it tomorrow <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh um it was a matter of uh for me, it, it was it was too serious to really have a pink cloud. Yeah. You know, I, I I felt that there was a, a lot of work to be done. I didn't dive right in to the steps. Uh, you know, I I just uh, and, and 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 not even to use the term procrastination. And it wasn't a matter of you know I, I was being standoffish and waiting to see what was going to happen. I just. Uh, I had, a, I had a really good sponsor from the very beginning, and I had some people that, you know, being in Nogales in a very small town in, in southern Arizona, you know, there were people who were in the program that, uh, well, when I walked into my first meeting, one of my ex-bosses, you know, patted the chair next to him and said, we've been waiting for you. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, you know, it, 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 was yeah. those, it was those kind of people, you know, who were, who were helping to guide me. But everybody told me the same thing, and it's something that I was sharing with Jerry earlier, you know, that it was talking about the physical and then the mental, and then the spiritual, yeah. you know, and nobody said that the spiritual was a prerequisite or it had to happen, but everybody said, you know, the physical and, and the mental had to happen. And so I, you know, I, 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 I quickly realized that, uh, you know, once that physical addiction had been lifted and, you know, that reality was staring me in the face, um, you know, I was being offered tools, you know, and I, and I can use the tools you know, or I can try to do it on my own. And, and I'd seen how, you know, successful doing it on my own had been because, you know, like I say, in all sincerity, every year, every morning for two years straight, you know, I was going to do this. And hearing all the cliches about, you know, turning it over and surrender and, and how well, you know, thing, you know, things were doing it when we were driving the bus, you know, all those examples, I, they, they played right to me. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, to this day, I'm, you know, I always say I'm, I'm sober in spite of myself, not because of myself. It was the people in the rooms and, 
and, and my higher power. But um, I, I had a, a, a very weird weird thing happen to me, and I don't want to hog the whole show. No, no, if, please. If, it's, if, if, it's been us two talking to you each other I, I, It's funny. I, I always go to a meeting and say this story at Christmas, so if you don't mind. But uh, I, I, it was September 28th when I had my last drink in, in 1989. Okay, I had it, man. You know, by the time it was Christmas time, I was okay. I was going to be able to go back out. You know, there was no way I wasn't going to make that Christmas toast with the Bacanora, you know, the Mexican mm -hmm. moonshine. And I was ready to do it. Two days before Christmas, and I knew that at Christmas I'd be ready to drink because I'd graduated, I, I had an incident where I had to do a 12-step. And uh, it, it'll take too long to describe everything that happened. But basically, I knew the individual. He was who I really wanted to be. I always wanted to emulate him. He had the gift of gab. He had the Porsche. He had the house. Everything that I thought you know, were commercial successes in the business. We were both in the same business was what I was striving for. And there he was. There were you know, two gifts on the dining room table for the, the two daughters, his wife and kids that already left him. And there were just busted booze bottles everywhere. And I literally saw my face sitting on his head man when I first walked in the room I couldn't talk to him it was like the weirdest experience I'd ever had in my life it was my head on his body and and I was the one going through that and so when we were driving it was a 60 mile drive up to the closest rehab center and on the way back the guy who had asked me to go on the 12-step meeting with him says you know you really weren't that much of a help. I thought you knew this guy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I said, yeah, but you know, ba basically, I was, uh, you know, I was overwhelmed, and I and I told him what had happened to me, and ever since that day, I always called him my ghost of Christmas future. Mm -hmm. You know, because I realized, uh, you know, I had made the I had made the mental decision I was going to go out and drink. You know, I was ready for it, and so you know, it was that divine intervention. Call it what you want. I see it as that. I I I, I genuinely believe that. You know, so. That whole idea of, of me trying to drive the bus or me making a mental decision, you know, I, I pretty much realized then uh, I'm not going to be able to be in charge in this thing, you yeah. know. And so I did. That's when I did. And, and it wasn't a, you know, it wasn't a, 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 a huge revelation where, you know, angels sang and I go, you know, tomorrow I'm going to wake up and work up the steps. <laughs> yeah. But I started working mm -hmm. the steps, okay? Right. You yeah. know, it was like, okay, let's give this a shot, yeah. you know? And, and that's pretty, what you know, the way it unfolded for me. Like I say, you know, when I use that term in spite of me and not because of me, that was the perfect example in the beginning of a, a long career of those kind of things happening. You, yeah. you talk about the uh, seeing your head on somebody else's body or seeing your face on their head. And, yeah. and I had... Um, you know, I guess in those in those early days, and so what I well, not even early for me. I was still it was the last day that I had a drink, and it was that last bottle of beer, and I just and I'd also been drinking for two days straight, and I had also been hungover all day and drinking on top of it while I was at working while I was at work, and one of the things that I I saw these visions of all the stuff that I was going to lose, and I saw them as clear as if they were right in front of me. It was so bizarre. It was it was it was beyond just imagining or it was beyond a dream. I just I saw these it was like everything was gone. Everything that I had worked for and everything wherever where I was at and all the people that I I was going to lose it all and it was a very I mean it was just a very visceral image. It was frightening. And that's kind of I think to me you know, after I had destroyed that last relationship and then I saw, you know, I saw the job going away and I saw the car and I saw the house that I had just moved into and all these new things that I had just gotten were just going to be gone. And I, I, it was as if I didn't close my eyes and imagine it. I, I could just see it everywhere around me like this sort of, mm -hmm. it was very strange, but that was definitely that sort of weird divine intervention that shows up and says, Hey, what do you, what do you, which one do you want? It's, it's, it's all there. And, um, and that was the day that I was like, okay, I'm, I have to be done now. I can't, I can't, I can't go any further. Um, and now it's been what, it'll be, it'll be three and a half years. Yeah. You know, awesome. you've, yeah. God bless you, man. That's wonderful. Yeah. <sighs> that, that's a, so much, you know, you, you think about what a rude awakening that is, but it's so much more nicer divine intervention than, Having a hand coming out of a grave, yanking you by the ankle to tug you down in, you know. Yeah, <laughs> which was where we were headed, whether we wanted to admit right. it or not, you know. <laughs> um, so, speaking of the ghost of Christmas future, um, I I got a question for you now. At, at twenty nine and a half years sober, and mo most importantly, sober today, and 
thus far it's still early in the evening right we, we don't we don't yeah. always know but is was there any is there a point that like i'm at three and a half years jerry's at he's at four and a half years right mm-hmm. um yeah. is there a point at which and again everybody's different but at like five or ten or fifteen where you know where you feel it sort of lag or get complacent i hear this a lot from people or where they'll say, yeah, you know, I was 12 years sober, and then I was just kind of one day. And, you know, people talk about... I lost the idea. <clears throat> you lost it? I, I, yeah, I just for just a second, I hear you Okay. Um, and then, so I hear people with, like, decades worth of sobriety who go back out. And mm-hmm. um, I, do you did you ever experience any of that at, like, 10 or 12 or 15 or at all? Or, I mean, are you are you very pretty well steeped in the program and, and, and vigilant about your sobriety well the physical addiction had been relieved you know mm-hmm. the the emotional and and mental problems that you know alcoholism was a symptom of you know that the alcoholism wasn't the problem that was just you know that was just one of the symptoms of the problems and so you know a lot of my my mental health and and my emotional health are just as vulnerable today and tomorrow and yesterday as they were back then. You know, Jerry and I were talking about it today. You know, alcoholism is that crutch in the corner, you know. And, yeah. and if I hurt myself and I decide I'm going to go use that crutch, I'm going to go use that crutch. I, I, I know people that, you know, went out after 14 years and in 14 years and two days, you know, they put a bullet in their head. Um, uh, and the best thing that I can do um, for myself, of course, and, and, and this isn't to say that this is a recipe for everybody, but... I had very good advice that I needed to stay recollected. And so in a very early stage in my program, I picked that one spot that was just my nightmare, you know, my darkest hour. And I can still to this day say, if I go out and drink, that's where I'm going, you know, because I can still remember all the glamour, all the fun. Mm-hmm. Dude, I had a shitload of fun, <laughs> you know. Living, I'm so glad you know, said that because living, you know, living on the on the border, we raced hell in two countries, yes. man. <laughs> you know. I mean, I had I got shot at by people from both sides of the border. Wow, um, <laughs> you know. But uh, I can, you know, I can pick that darkest moment where I don't want to go. Mm-hmm. You know, it scares me to want to think that that's where I would be. And so, you know, I still have to remember that today, that and, you know, I do have instances, like you say, 20, 29 and a half years in, you know, I have instances where, uh, you know, different things, different challenges I have in my, in my mental and in, in my uh, emotional stability, uh, I have to break my tools out. You know, and I have warning bells. Jerry and I discussed it this morning. There's bells. Mm-hmm. You know, when those bells go off, if I don't listen to them, I can be in the world of hurt. Yeah. You know, but I, the bells go off and then, you know, I yank at the tools because I do not work my program 24-7. Unfortunately, I do get lax and I do get complacent. And I do think that, you know, I don't need it like I used to. I don't work it as much as I used to. I'm, I'm very fortunate, very blessed in that I'm doing some some service work. And, and that keeps me so centered that, uh, you know, and so out of myself that I, I don't worry about it because, you know, I'm, I'm trying my best to, you know, to be the kind of, of, of individual that other people can rely on and, and that that helps tremendously. Mm-hmm. I hear that time and time again is that, you know, service is, is where it's at. Even if, you know, whatever the core, you know, this guy was talking about it the other day and he said that he said the core of everybody's program is different. Your co- somebody's core might be the steps, somebody's core might be prayer and meditation, somebody's core you know, might be service and his big one was was the service and and you know, he had talked about even if it was just the littlest thing, if you could help somebody else, you forget about your, you know, which ultimately become, well, I should say for me, you know, my, my problems are pretty small and pretty oftentimes if I'm, if I'm frustrated about something, I'm probably being pretty petty because things are good, you know, like it's warm in here and there's food and, you know, there's clean water and all those, all those things that there's always something to be grateful for. And so, I hear that a lot about service and, and, you know, I, and I know that Jerry and I have talked in the past on the podcast about feeling not quite up there because maybe we don't do service and I'm speaking a little bit for, for, for you, but you know, please. Yeah. 
and that maybe in the traditional okay, yeah. senses of service <laughs> about whether uh-huh. it's mentoring another guy or um, I'm not always there early to uh, fire up the coffee pot or whatever it is. And so right. I think there's a certain level of guilt. And so I try not to, if I'm feeling guilty about it, then maybe I need to go a little bit early and, you know, fire up the coffee pot. And I think that service can come in a lot of different ways. You know, this, I mean, doing this podcast that we do every week um, is something that I'm really proud to do. And I really, I mean, the thing that gets me excited about it is when I hear from somebody, you know, and it's, it just, it, it's a big deal. It's a really, really big deal to be able to help other people. And I think that it's, even if it's, has nothing to do with sobriety or a program, if you're helping somebody else, then that gets you out of your own head. And that's where all the problems are, right? (laughs) Alcohol, like you said, alcohol is just a symptom or alcoholism is just a symptom. Mm-hmm. Well, this this is just my humble opinion, and I'm I'm not a, an, a any anywhere near an authority, but you know I think you both of you should be you know feel I don't want to use the term good about yourselves, you know it, it's not about you guys, but as far as you know you know how you're helping other alcoholics, you know I scrape my head against the wall as to how do I get through to the that 19 20 year old kid, I, you know I I just can't do it, I mean. I, they're, they're not going to read a big book, you know. I mean, they're getting everything they have off of their telephone. And, you know, for them to have a, a, a podcast and, you know, and to be able to, to reach that next generation, you know, through the medium, you know, through through the, the, the ways that they're, you know, that they're assimilating information, I think is fabulous, man. Mm-hmm. I'm super proud of you guys. I, I think it's, you know, I think you're doing a wonder, you know, a wonderful service to any you know, recovery program. And, and, and so... You know, in the, in the respect of, you know, not doing enough or anything else, you know, and, and five, six years from now, they're not going to be handing out big books because nobody's going to read the damn things. <laughs> right. You know? they're, they, they're, we're going to be doing stuff like this. So, you know, God bless yeah. you. And I'm happy for you. And I'm proud yeah. of you. And, and, you know, this is uh, this is something that is definitely providing a service. Don't kid yourself. <laughs> so we just got to get the memes. We got to <laughs> yes. do the sobriety, sobriety memes, Sobriety memes. And do you think, yeah. what do you, I mean, how do you see the future <laughs> yeah. of sobriety? Because I hear a lot of things from a lot of people and there's a lot of, um, there's a lot more talk about it, you know, scientifically, if they could just fix the gene, they're so close to fixing the gene. Or there's a whole nother group of people who say, hey, man, I don't need your program. Um you know, and that that you, I've I've seen things, and I, I don't have all of the research, but you know, alcoholism is not a disease. Sometimes people just need to, you know, get a hold of their life. And there was one article I read, and it was basically saying that dry January, which is where people take a month off of drinking, um, was they're like you got to be careful because you know then you don't do it for a month, and then all you're thinking about is that next drink, and if there's nothing in there for you to fill the hole. You know, so don't don't go trying to go dry because then you're just going to you're just going to crash and burn at the end of the month. And and I'm thinking to myself, the thing that you're the thing that you're saying you're missing is some sort of program, you know, whether it's I don't care what kind of program it is. Right. There's there's another one called refugee recovery that is all based around Buddhist teachings, um, which I think is where a lot of Bill W. He got lots of his obviously from from buddhist teachings um as well so i mean you see the future of of recovery and people not reading these books we're gonna have to get out to them one a different way i mean it's got to be technology right well you know you said about it not being a disease i just want to if i can i'm going to read a a quote from dr kevin mccauley he's uh director of the institute of, of of addiction study and and this was uh, uh, this was presented to me when I was when I was uh, uh, participating in a national convention. This is from uh, the the studies that they're doing at Duke University on 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 addiction. And the, this is the medical term for addiction as of 2018. Addiction is a stress in, a stress induced defect acting on a genetic vulnerability in the dopamine reward system of the midbrain and the glutamate choice system of the frontal cortex. And these doctors were showing us MRIs. Remember the old, this is your brain on drugs Mm -hmm. about the egg (laughs) and the pan? Well, they were actually showing us cutaways of a functioning brain. And it's scary as shit to watch, you know, what's happening to a person and what's happening to a person on these different drugs. And what's happening to that same person 
after long-term use on the drugs, even when they're dried up. I mean, it, yeah, it, it is definitely a, a, a medical problem. Mm-hmm. But you know, when you talk about you know people aren't reading big books anymore, uh, if you look into, if you walk into a, rec- a a normal any normal rehab center in the U.S. today, and maybe five ten percent of those people are in there for just drug addiction or just an addiction problem the vast majority of it they're addressing their mental issues you know there's 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 dual uh, um, recovery mm-hmm. programs that are going in you know they're uh, nowadays it's more about ace you know which is uh, adverse childhood experience or trauma you know it's not a matter of yeah. what's wrong with me it's what happened to you yeah you know and that's the true face of recovery today in in my opinion and, and I see you know medicine moving more and more towards that so we will you know hey 50 percent of people with 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 meta with uh, mental problems will struggle with drug addiction 30 37 percent of every alcoholic has a has a severe mental issue that they haven't or they've addressed and you know aren't aren't addressing it currently, but everybody's looking at those co-addictions or those those co-problems, whether it's an emotional problem or a medical problem or just something worth a trauma. You know, a, a good buddy of mine lost his kid and he went on a four-year bender. You know, I mean, it's just a matter of what sets you off. Again, it's not what's wrong with you; it's what happened to you, and 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 I think that is a. a, a big difference from what it was for me when I first came into the program where it was you know you put the plug in the jug and you fake it till you make it and all the other things we did Mm -hmm. you know during during our 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 recovery um you know addiction today with the with the opioid I don't mean to get on my soapbox Mm. I apologize but you know fine the the federal government you know after all this money that they poured into it they say today you know their best protocol is the protocol that they use on on doctors and pilots where you know you wean them off it and you get them strict monitoring for five years at the end of those five years those doctors and pilots have the same relapse statistical probability as a normie out on the street would be to become addicted and that's as good as it gets i mean you know they don't claim that they cure them a hundred percent but there you know there isn't a uh and and a medical insurance company in the in the nation in the world that's going to cover you for five years so mm-hmm. you know where are we where are we going to get to to provide that kind of coverage those are the kind of things where i see recovery still being very 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 important and any type of addiction any type of of, of you know of long of uh, uh, long-term recovery you know it's not going to be just that big book thing anymore there's there's too many other external influences that, that we realize that are going to aid in it and not to say that you know going to a, a meeting where you do a step study reading and everybody gets to talk for 15 minutes and spill their guts isn't the healthiest thing on the planet i still think it is mm-hmm. But, you know, there's so much more going on. I, again, I, I, I don't see where if I was to hand somebody, you know, uh, today if I was to hand a, a 20-year-old kid who's, you know, he's been abusing since he was 15 years old and say, here, read this, <laughs> you know, how much traction am I going to get? Yeah. Right. You know, just just read the first 164 pages. You'll be 154 pages. Right? You'll really relate. It was written in the 30s. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 you know, the way they're going to come back and go, what the fuck is a John Barley corn? You exactly. Know? <laughs> What's a whoopee party? A like, whoopee let's party. hear more about these whoopee parties. Yeah. <laughs> it's true, man. It's true. And, and you don't, uh, I don't know. I don't know about you, Jerry, but I don't see a lot of young people. I mean, I'm oftentimes the youngest no, dude, I see a lot of, actually, I see the opposite. Mm-hmm. I see a lot of young people in, in some of the groups I go to. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and to be honest with you, uh, a lot of the young people I see are there with, you know, a slip of paper that needs to get signed mm-hmm. at the end of the meeting. And, but there are the young people I see who are really um, committed to it, you know, and they end up on committees and like, you know, throwing dances and doing these forward things. That being said, I mean, that's also a cross-section of the people I see. I don't really go to a lot of young people meetings, but the meetings I have that have the younger people in them, mm-hmm. they usually are the minority in the room. Um, I did go to some young people meetings in the very beginning, and um, I mean, they were, you know, they're young people. They had nervous energy. They're screwing around, and, and you know, and, and kind of, I don't know. It's hard to describe. It's hard for me to describe a young person. Right. But, uh, <laughs> but the ones I see... it. The small number of ones I see in the rooms that I'm in tend to be fairly enthusiastic about their approach to their recovery. Mm-hmm. You know that it's, but I can also see that the information that's being dispensed 
you know, the way you're describing it, it would be difficult, I think, for the generation Y or Z. You know, the kid who was raised on a tablet, you know, the kid who was raised with a phone, you know. I mean, I, I don't know how they're going to, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, only the future will tell, I guess. But Involving some sort of technology. I mean, whether or not it's, and I'm not saying, like, when I talk about, oh, if I could just fix the gene, then everything would be fine. But I think right. I think we would all agree here, and, I, and and again, but even if they said we can fix it, and then you can drink without any of those adverse effects, I still don't want just one. You know, whatever's in my whatever whatever's already been triggered <laughs> over the last twenty years is like right. Well, if I could drink without impunity, then I could just do, you know, I could drink gallons. Get loaded, get, yeah, yeah. You know, so well, dude, it's like that joke with the the joke you see about the they tell an alcoholic they can give him a pill that'll cure his alcoholism, and he says, "I wonder what'll happen if I take two. Like it's one of my favorite jokes. I, to this day, I relate to that really hard because it's like, "What do you think will happen if I take two? You know, and that's even when you said it, I was envisioning the scenario in my brain about having this operation that, and I was like, "God, I wonder what what it, I could fix if they did it twice in a row. Like, I wonder how much I could drink if they did it twice in a row." When, when I was out using uh, and somebody offered, if somebody had offered me that pill, I would definitely say, can I have one? I'll try it tomorrow. I'll try it tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, man. I'm not going yeah. to mess with today. I got it figured yeah. out. You know? <laughs> oh, once you have the system in place. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I got it figured out. But dude, I don't th- even think I would opt in for the surgery. Like, let's say we're talking hypothetical. I don't think I would do it now. I don't because I don't know. I like... I like the way it is now. Like I like I is it weird? I like knowing what I'm capable of. No, I like yeah. being aware of it and having that my eyes open to that, and and I like the um, the uh, I can't think of the correct word. I want to say discipline, but I'm so undisciplined. I like you know the discipline of of being able to work a program. If I didn't, if I, if I didn't have my bottom, if I didn't go through this, I wouldn't. I don't know if I'd have a program to work. And I like having a program to work. Mm-hmm. Like it wor- it works for me. Yeah, things are a lot more even. If I were just some dude stumbling around life who didn't have any problems, just you know, and now they're just walking around, I don't know, man. You would never you would never be put in a position where you would have to face those other things. You talk about it the it, alcoholism is coupled with the mental illness, right? So and right. I imagine I meet, I meet a lot of people every day that are probably dealing with some kind of mental illness for outward or, or inward, but you know, yeah. and I'm just saying in general, there's a lot more out there than gets talked about. Um, mm-hmm. But <clears throat> you wouldn't be able to face it. You know, you, you, you have to cut out because if I say I just had never drank or I was a normie or I was, I got the, 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 the surgery and they took it out of my DNA. And then every time I had an issue that I didn't want to deal with, I could just drink. I wouldn't be fixing the other half of what's wrong with me. You know, my, my sponsor would be prompted. Yeah. My sponsor was Mm -hmm. taking me through the steps and, um, we were doing number four and I remember being so, it was very difficult and I started very small and then he's like, well, what about your dad? And, um, I didn't always, I didn't have the best relationship with my father, um, when he was alive and I'm still troubled by it now that he's passed. But I remember writing like five pages about my dad and it's like, and so he looks at it and he says, John, and he reads it, you know, or I read it to him. What I think I read it to him. And he said, you know, there are some things that I'm not going to be able to help you with. And it was kind of a funny <laughs> moment. Like, he's like, there may be some professional help that you want to get. And he was said it with the, he was very sweet and kind about it. But, you know, basically that there's this whole other part that doesn't get dealt with when we're constantly trying to numb it out, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, when you talk about having that program and wanting to, I mean, you're like, I know what I'm capable of. And also finding where those holes are, where the chinks in the armor are that you need to repair. Yeah. It, it alleviates the avoidance, the mechanism mm-hmm. of avoidance that I'm, I'm capable of. That I'm still capable of. Mm-hmm. But working this program helps me alleviate that mechanism of avoidance. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, as a matter of fact, we were talking about somebody and my mom was saying, well, he felt like if he never checked his mail, he'd never get a bill so he wouldn't have to pay them. And I was absolutely <laughs> that person as well. I felt like if I had an outstanding bill and I'd never paid it, eventually they would forget that I owed them $300. They would just forget and then we'd be good. 
You know, that was the mechanism of avoidance. They don't, and now that I Comcast I doesn't do that. This, yeah. <laughs> no, Comcast never forgets. That's you know, just just thinking right now is is if I would have had been afforded the opportunity to take a pill to cure my alcoholism, how my assholeism would have manifested itself in other ways. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I can I was, attest I was, to that. I was probably the safest as the thing that could happen to society, you know, was that I became a drunk. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> He could have ended up a politician. Yes, my assholeism. That's, that's the, that's 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 it's important. It's a it's true. It's yeah. totally true. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask you, we were talking about it before. Um, we were talking about you know recovery in the future, and one of the things that gets said a lot, uh, Jerry Senior, if you could repeat what you said about labeling and how people label themselves. Oh, what we were talking about earlier, yeah. Off podcast. Well, the idea, and, and this is something that's happening right now, and, and I think it's, you know, it's a fabulous time in the, in the recovery field itself, is that we are trying to remove the stigma and the shame of this not being a moral issue. You know, I mean, what happened to me I could live a life, I, I maintained my anonymity for 26 years and I could, you know, function in society and be this anonymous, be this, you know, and, and hide, you know, what my struggles were. Nowadays, what's going on with the opioid crisis and fentanyl and some of the other things that are happening, you know, we're, we're experiencing so much one and done where people are, you know, we're killing them before we have a chance to addict them. We're not afforded that luxury. You know, we really need to address it in a more urgent manner. And, and the sense of urgency and the sense of, you know, medical science understanding that it isn't a moral issue, we really need to move away from the stigma and 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 that and believe me i mean this has been a moral issue since the beginning of time mm-hmm. you know you, you go back to the old testament you know i mean you know drunkenness was was okay to drink it wasn't okay to be a drunk mm-hmm. and and so you know this is something that isn't you know a new thought and you know to to start to break that barrier down and it's really we're just following the same format that's been happening with mental you know breaking down the stigmas of mental illness you know just recently within the last couple of decades and, and we're seeing that in, in the recovery field now, but it's so urgent that people understand not only the person that's suffering, but their family members. You know, how many people suffer in silence because they're afraid that their neighbors or their their their, their fellow parishioners at their at their local church, where they should be going for love and support and community, are, are terrified that somebody might find out that their daughter's on the street as a meth head and, you know, she doesn't have any teeth left in her head type stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and instead of being able to turn to her community for support, you know, she's living in shame and fear and loneliness. And, and those are the kind of things that, you know, when you talk about labels, um, you know, I, I think that really... You know the, the 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 major leap that we need to make is is tear down the old labels and create new ones. You know there are people who are struggling and need support. There are people who are suffering, you know, mental illness along with addiction. There are people who are suffering, you know, medical problems, and just remove that stigma of it being a moral problem. Uh, you know, is I think paramount mm-hmm. for for you know for this country and, and you know for our planet right now is the way we treat substance abuse and, and all and, and any kind of of, of uh, you know addictive personalities whether it's eating disorders or gambling or you know no matter how it manifests itself but uh, uh, you know that, that that label thing I think right now it's 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 such a it's such a relevant topic and I think it's so important because we have all the knowledge it's just a matter of how you know how much are we gonna you know invest into letting people know um, you know now's the time to change that thought Mm-hmm. And that, that idea of I'm no longer, you know, I don't recognize myself as a as an alcoholic. I mean, I do. But saying it in that you said I'm I'm in long term recovery was the way that you 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 posed it before that I liked You say, you know, my mm-hmm. name is John and I'm in long term recovery. <clears throat> um, yeah, man, we're going to have yeah. to change the name of the podcast. Though. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> to Ellis for long-term recovery, I think. Um, Damn. Yeah. Oh, man, I hope you didn't order those t-shirts. <clears throat> right? <clears throat> so, but I think it's great. I'm, I'm, I'm beginning long-term I'm recovery. Beginning. How are you going to word that, John? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, the beginning, yeah, it's true. But I, I think it's great because I was one of the things I've always thought, like, so what is next? And how cool is it that... 
you know, you're talking. We're talking about a program that was invented in 1931, three, five, mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to be coming on a hundred years, and I don't. I you know, there's a lot of discussion about you know keeping text the way that it is and what should be changed. And I don't think anything needs to be changed, but I certainly think that there can be updated versions, updated. You know, when you talk about changing labels, I mean that's huge, and that gives people. A little more hope and doesn't make them, you know, you're right. People feel bad enough about things when they're shooting up meth and drinking cheap yeah. booze. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I felt terrible about myself. And, you know, Jerry and I have always talked about it. We used to kind of wear it as this badge of pride and be like, yeah, I'm an alcoholic. What of it? Okay. And I, there's not a problem because I admit it. I'm like, that's just another, yeah. that's the assholeism coming out. <laughs> Yeah. Um, But yeah, um, so I guess I also wanted to ask Junior, um, what do you think about any resolutions for the new year in your sobriety? I mean, do you, I mean, maybe you haven't thought about it, but. You know, I made a resolution last year Mm -hmm. to not get a haircut and to lose (laughs) weight, and I've succeeded in both. So maybe this year I'll get a haircut and gain weight. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. I haven't really actively thought about it. Because for me, I always felt like, well, resolutions were just promises I couldn't keep. And then I didn't get a haircut and <laughs> lost mm-hmm. weight. What I'm saying is like I did fulfill those two things that I thought I would do for the entire year. <clears throat> so I don't know. I mean, But are you, if you're talking about improving my life. I don't know. If that's the course we're going on recovery, here. Recovery, sobriety. Or, or improving myself, sobriety, recovery. I don't, you know, I don't necessarily have any. I just want to keep working this program. Yeah. Every day, I, you know, like I just want to keep doing what I'm doing. Like today was a great day. If I could have more days like today, which I do most of the time, I would say, you know, four days a week, I have days like today that are really great. I have those three that are gimmies or, you know, mm-hmm. up in the air. But, but yeah, if I can just continue with that, that'd be awesome. Yeah. You know, as long as I remember that it's going to be all right, things are going to be okay. And I might have to go through some shit every once in a while. I think I'll be all right. So I don't really worry about it too much. I don't know. Maybe, maybe the next a the next round with a I'll have something for yeah. you. Yeah. I, I just always feel like I want to. There's there's part of me that wants to get more involved, and then I back off. And I'm just I don't know if I'm scared or lazy or both. Or there's mm-hmm. you know I think those are there's several character defects that still are uh, need to be lifted, um, and that maybe you know you don't want to you don't want to have character defects lifted sometimes because. That's scary and weird and different, and you well, know. Well, they're kind of comfortable right? too. <laughs> it's, they fit real good. Yeah, mm-hmm. they look awful, but they fit good. Right? <laughs> it's just uh, yeah. you just love to. I love to wait in that mediocrity sometimes. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I, I think that at some point I would like to, for me, do do some sort of service. And there's plenty out there. There's plenty of people who need it. You know. Um, yeah. But yeah. It's um, it's a trip. I can't believe it's going to be 2019. Um, that we made it through. We didn't. We didn't waver on one week. We got. We did this 26 weeks. This podcast. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> so I think it's. That's pretty impressive, actually, I'm, for both of us together <laughs> to do to actually fulfill it. Yeah. When to not flake out or get tired mm-hmm. halfway through and be like, yeah, this is boring. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um oh but it hasn't been boring it's been a lot of fun so. yeah yeah you know i and then jerry senior i had one other thing because <clears throat> excuse me the last time that we saw each other was i believe well no there might have been a trip into seattle uh but i there i the last big time was in 2009 at your son's wedding and i had a question because i remember you talking to me and you're like so there's going to be about a Whatever, however many people it was, 100 people, 150 people. You're like, so how many quarts of gin do you think I should get? And then you were at, we were sitting, we had this whole conversation because I used to bartend. And um, how do you, um, how did it, how does it feel, or how do you, how do you resolve in yourself that you're going to go ahead and, as somebody who 25 plus years sobriety at that time, or 20 some years. And that you're going to have this huge drunken slop fest in your backyard. <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, does it what there you didn't seem annoyed or bothered other than trying to get that damn dance floor flattened out that afternoon. But <laughs> yeah, that, was that was tough. 
um, frustrating the dance. But how do you reconcile that? Or what? I mean, is there? I mean, are you just like, well, and pe- people are going to do what they're going to do, and you know, throw a party, and was that weird or hard or? I I felt very, very fortunate and 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 honored that uh, you know that I was able to you know have that wedding for for my son and 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 his and his fiance had i continued to drink i wouldn't have been in any physical mental or financial state to be able to do that so that i wasn't drinking was a beautiful thing for me to pass judgment on every other person on the planet by the standard of hey i can't hold my booze you shouldn't be able to drink either Damn. you know yeah. I, I i got i got over that a long time Fair ago enough. that's great yeah. though that's great though you see that this is why i'm glad he's here he said shit like this to me on the phone, and I don't want to blow him out of the, put him on front street. So I'm like, well, I might as well have him on, so I can't just say, oh, well, my dad told me. That's great. Here's another week of my dad told no, me. That's great. Um, <laughs> I and, and I, I and again, you don't need to answer anything that's too personal or whatever. But between the two of you, um, and seeing your son in the darker times of his drinking, I I, I don't know how that. How do you? I mean, are you just in that sort of? AA or recovery kind of like, you know, people are just going to do what they're going to do and there's nothing I can do except wait and be there. Um, and is that hard? Man, is I've it, never even asked him that question. Is that, was it hard? Was it challenging? I mean, you must have known early on that... <clears throat> Knowing that, that I, I, I stopped drinking when I did has afforded me the opportunity to stop the collateral damage. I don't listen to this podcast because i know that if i pick up on any of jerry's pain while he's talking about it the first thing i'll do is say could i have prevented that if i hadn't given him such a shitty childhood oh man you know so it's still hard for me there's still instances that are hard for me leanne and i listened to one the other day and i was cringing because i was you know and i know it's not all about me and i'm not saying it's all about me Mm -hmm. but you know i i help contribute to that pain and so even after 29 years i live with that every day yeah. Well, only like three quarters of it was about him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, well, uh, that's. I mean, yeah. I guess it's. It doesn't. It doesn't go away. But I. I and I mean, I. You. I. What was your. What was your feeling when he said, "I. I. I quit. I'm done. I'm out. I can't do it." I mean, did you see it coming before he did? <laughs> no. no. I. You know, he. He could have easily drank himself to death. You know, he, he could have very, you know, the, the way he was drinking, he'd have, he'd have blown his liver out at a very young age. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, so he, you know, the, the, you know, in the back of my mind, I, I you know, I was wondering which was going to come first, you know, him stop drinking or the drinking stopping him. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when he did start, you know, of course, my, my prayers and my hopes were that, you know, please, Lord, let it stick. But, uh, you know, that was all on his shoulders yeah. I, I, when he when he it was so hard because, you know, I as you have you've noticed in the last you know 20 minutes, I dole out advice very freely, you know, but with him, <laughs> I had to really bite my tongue because I had to wait for him to ask, you know, my opinion because I was ready to tell him, you know, what he needed to do and how he needed to do it as a father. And I had no comprehension how to do it, you know, to take that bum off the street and give him the benefit of the doubt. I got, you know, how do I do that to my own kid? I, I, I was lacking that talent. I was lacking that ability. So, yeah, I, I had to hold back more than anything else because if I'd have been encouraged and then he slipped, it would have added more guilt on his shoulders. You know, yeah. well, my dad did it and I couldn't, you know, so I just had to fucking shut up and, and pray to myself. <laughs> he did a great job being very reserved, too. I'll give him that because even in talking about this, I'm recalling when I called him, when I decided that, you know, I, I was done. And I, I remember the day I called him. I remember where I was standing and I said, hey, man. I uh, I haven't had a drink in a week, and I think I'm done. I don't know how long I'm done for, but I'm I'm done. I'm done. And then he told me, you know, he did the like, you know, you should check out a meeting or you know get to a meeting and check it out, and gave me some advice, but was very reserved. You know, mm-hmm. he didn't just straight up throw me to the 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 you know the wolves. You know, he like kind of eased me into because I called him asking him for advice. You know, what did you do? Because I'm a week in and I feel like hot garbage. You know, I feel awful and I don't know what to do. And so he was like real reserved about it, you know. And it's funny, too, because in early recovery, man, I walked around those rooms and like I'm like, yeah, my parents are in recovery. 
Yeah, yeah, they, you know, they led me to these rooms, you know, not as far as like my drinking. I meant like they led me. I don't know if going into the rooms would have been an option if I didn't have that example in my life, right. you know, like that. My my I think if it was like an almost like an escape hatch sometimes, mm-hmm. like I knew I could get off of it. I could get out of this burning ship through this lifeboat. I knew that that room was there. Now, I don't know if the lifeboat would stay afloat, but I knew I had that where the only other lifeboat I had was, yeah, I was killing myself. And I don't, you know, as much as that lifeboat looked appealing a few <laughs> times like that, I don't know if I was really, that wasn't, I don't know, man. Once I got a wife and a daughter, well, especially my little girl, once she came into play, I was like, well, shit, that lifeboat is gone. I can't really do that. So maybe I can check out this one that, you know, I'm speaking to all my analogies. No, no, again. and you, you know, and they're always nautical analogies, man. It's always your son. Your son is the. Uh, that's the one thing too. He's always got a good uh, analogy, and they they are often yeah. nautical. I don't know where they're that comes see, from. You know, like I just see my mom and dad who have been. But there are great examples of, mm-hmm. of what I could accomplish myself in my life. I mean, I saw my dad because I was I grew up. My dad, you know, I was the oldest one, so I saw it. I lived through it, you know, with him. But I saw what he could accomplish, you know sober and i was like damn dude i could do that too you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. like at least i think i can do that so yeah i hit him up i mean what else was i gonna do yeah i'm my first few meetings were you know rough and and and, and now we share we you know we share a tremendous amount jerry shares a lot of what's going on with him and and, and i'm you know it's a lot easier for me to you know to share with him yeah you know, some of the things but you know i mean it just is is as somebody in the in the program you know seeing anybody come along you know, you're happy for that individual, but, uh, you know, the parental pride is, is, is something that, uh, that, you know, uh, I, I mean, it's just, you know, watching him become the man that he's become is, and, and knowing, you know, what he had to go through to do it, you know, it's, uh, it, you know, seeing him, you know, climb that hill, it's, it's, it's been tremendous, you know, it's been, been tremendously inspirational for me, you know, to see him do it. Cause he had, you know, he had, he had some very interesting obstacles, you know, that, that even I wasn't, <laughs> that I wasn't even faced with. Yeah. And, and so, you know, and, and, and those are, I mean, I'm keenly aware of what, you know, what he had to surmount, you know, and it's, it's tremendous pride. I, I, I can't, I can't tell you enough how, you know, it makes me feel inside to, to know, you know, everything that he's done and he's done for himself and he's done for his family. And, and I won't go into it too much because you know, I'll start crying like a baby. Right. And I'm over here just kicking ass, dude. I'm over here just winning this shit. I pretty much won this podcast, John. You did. No, it's great. It's one of the Thanks, things Dad. One of the things I hear when I hear about people who um, reconnect with their kids in a way um, because of the program. Um, or And it's because I didn't and I never had the chance. It's always something that I'm really like – I'm excited about and and happy to hear about. And it's not any, you know, that's one of the biggest things that I see. And I'm like, damn, that's good. Another one, another, another family is not permanently torn apart, you know, or at least there's, there's the chance. You know, you hear a lot of different stories and a lot of different people, but it's one of my favorite things. I'm I'm going to argue that point that you said right now. I don't, I don't believe what you just said when you said you didn't have that opportunity. Never, never, ever, ever forget that there's, you know, that guy sitting behind you in the bleachers cheering you on. You can't see him, but he's still cheering for you, buddy. You know? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, I love that shit. That's good. That's good. That's good. You're right. right, I don't mean to turn into a parlor trick. I know. It's one of my favorite things I've heard, you know, is that. Yeah. You're right. You're right. And I'm not, I'm not done with it, obviously, (laughs) you know? Nah, it's still never something will that, be, man. you know, so it's, it's, uh, I, and you're right. I can still work on my yeah. relationship with my father. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm sitting there in those bleachers, oh. man. When I heard you got sober, <laughs> I was there with them. I, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm as much spiritually sitting there in that bleacher for you as your pop is, man. And I'm, yeah. I'm praying for you every day. I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I'm there too, man. It's a Christmas miracle, John. God damn right. I mean, God bless it. Um, God bless each it. and every one of you. Fucking uh huh. Yes. Yeah. So, I just um, I think that's a great positive note to end this on. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. I appreciate you guys doing this and junior and senior and um, thank you guys out there for listening. Um, yeah. We'll be back next year. At the beginning of the alphabet, right. we will Z. See you next year. You next yeah, we'll year. See you next year. Yeah. 
<laughs> thanks, John. Uh, thank you. <laughs> thanks, Dad. John, it's a good to see you, buddy. You take yeah, care. you too. Adios. Thanks again for listening. Our music, as always, is by Neglect. You can find more of his stuff at neglect.bandcamp.com. And you can find us on all social media platforms that matter, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And you can reach us at aisforalcoholic at gmail.com. Talk to you later. Yeah. <laughs>